0: Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am one of the certified financial planners on the show. Across from me, certified financial planner, and one of my business partners, Josh Gregory.
1: Mike, have you ever from your perch as a financial advisor. You get to peer into people's financial lives. Have you ever seen someone receive an inheritance and it actually hurts them?
0: Yes, probably half the time.
1: Yeah. Well, for for a lot of people, you would think, well, that's crazy talk. How How could that even happen? I right? dream about winning the lottery all the time.
0: <laughs> and if I were to <laughs> receive an inheritance, it would be great.
1: Yeah. But we've seen where receiving sudden money, can actually hurt you. And so today we want to actually uh, talk through how do you avoid receiving an inheritance and have it become a curse instead of a blessing in your life? <sighs> and I know an inheritance
0: is brought on because something unfortunate happened and and, and, and it's emotional and it's difficult. Um, and we we've walked those miles with clients and ourselves as well in our own personal lives. Those are hard things. And yet money and financial decisions are often attached to some of the most trying and difficult things in life and it is in this case and so we're going to talk about the financial ramifications of an inheritance but just know we're not overlooking the emotional toll that it takes as well so If you have a question, we would love to hear from you every single week on the Wise Money Show. This is your show. If you want us to talk about something different, if you have a different idea, a different issue you're dealing with, or just a gripe with what we're talking about, reach out to us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Call or text. That will get to me online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there. That turns into an email and goes to me as well. And lastly, all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, at Wise Money Radio. You can also catch up on previous shows. Watch the episodes right there on the YouTube channel. So as Josh mentioned, surprisingly, there are a handful of really painful traps that you can get into financially when you're receiving an inheritance. And the point that we want to make in today's episode, at least the first half, is how do you avoid making those mistakes so that receiving an inheritance actually helps, is a big blessing
1: to you financially? Well, and history is full of stories where it didn't go well uh, for for family wealth being passed down the family tree and does it eventually start to wreak havoc on, on the family or the individuals that are, are tasked with managing these, these dollars? Right here in South Bend, uh, there's a story of a very famous, uh, very wealthy family. You may recognize the name from some of the buildings around town and so on. But have you heard of the Oliver family? I don't know much about the story, but yes. I mean, th- so this is a family that back um, in the 1800s, so uh, the, the, the company was started uh, producing plows, you know, so this is back before you were using a John Deere tractor mm-hmm. out in your fields. No, you're using a couple horses and, and a plow. Uh, this guy, James Oliver, created a better way to produce these plows, and they were made right here in the Mishawaka South Bend area. Built up this thriving business. This guy becomes this you know, really wealthy industrialist back then. Passes the company down to his son, J.D. Oliver. So James passes it to J.D. J.D. has four kids. So this third generation has all this wealth at their disposal. One of the kids is out, you know, uh, playing in Europe all the time. Uh, Some of the others, they just start having problems. By the end of it, uh, the mansion in town here, the Kapschol Home, I think is how you pronounce that. Mm -hmm. It's attached to the the South Bend Historical Museum or whatever. Um, One of the kids is just... Locked away in the third floor of this, another one is locked away in the second floor. They've kind of pulled away from society and wow. all this. It's tragic. The the story is all there on the on the uh, museum's website. But um, it it almost feels like it's a default when you're passing down significant wealth to family. That there's a risk that it wrecks them instead of truly blesses them.
0: Well, this is you know, this is why we, we do the Wise Money Show with three of us and today it's just two. But if Kevin were here, I mean we each of us have these um, examples of where we've seen those sorts of things happen, it's not nearly as high profile as that, some some of it. But some of you hearing that story say, Yep, third generation in business transfer is often very difficult. And and it's for one of the first risks that we're going to talk about here. But I, I was cutting you off, Josh.
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, modern day, um, you know, uh, uh, wealthy guy, Warren Buffett has been mm-hmm. the richest man in the world at times. Um, he's one of my favorite quotes from him is that he wants to leave enough money behind for his kids that they can do anything in life, but not so much money that they can do nothing in life. Yeah. And that may be a, a powerful statement for you, whether you're leaving behind dollars that are uh, have a lot of zeros at the end or even just a few, uh, how you receive uh, money or, or how you leave money to the next generation can be a blessing that helps propel them forward, um, or it can really set them back by stunting their own growth. It ultimately is up to them. And so we're gonna speak to you today as the recipient of that money. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that you set yourself up um, to really succeed with, with this new wealth that's left behind for you?
0: So the first trap that I would point out that I see is even evident in that story, and that is we see often that when you receive an inheritance that some of the disciplines that you've been doing financially Budgeting or saving a certain amount or really focusing in on certain financial goals, you lose that discipline and you lose some of those right habits that were getting you on the right track. And then all of a sudden you got this blessing and there's something that changes in your mind and you stop applying those right habits, those disciplines.
1: Especially if you haven't received the money, but you know it's coming, mm-hmm. right? That can mess with people's minds uh, even more. You know, if, if you know, well, there's, there's not that much point in saving up for retirement, we may as well enjoy these dollars now because retirement's going to be handled when mom and dad or grandpa or grandma pass away. There's money coming down the pipe here that we don't really have to plan. We don't have to save ahead for Uh, let's just let it come to us. Think about it in the story of the Oliver family, and I
0: hadn't heard that story before. Josh makes me a terrible historian. I know you're not a historian as well, so there's probably, if if you listening right now know that story a little more intimately, you might say, oh, Josh glossed over this or missed that, and so full, full disclaimer there, but a lot of times with the third generation business, there's enough distance between the disciplines and habits that built the business, the successful business, or let's just apply it to finances, the successful habits that build your finances and um and and today. So there when you when you start seeing a gap there and you start losing those disciplines, it's very easy to drift from all right, I'm making financial progress, achieving financial success and then drifting to actually I'm off course with my finances.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it's a generational thing, but often if the first generation built and saved, they sacrificed, um, they postponed, you know, all those right habits and built up wealth that just grew over time, they probably saw that asset as something that provided security and provided an income stream to them. Mm often we end up working with the recipient of that money, the second generation or the third generation, and often they say in so many words that... they they see this as money to be consumed as opposed to an asset to kick off income, and the mentality is very different, and therefore the behavior is often different. And um, you know th- they often look at that first generation and say, I don't know why they live so frugally. You know they never spent all this money. Uh, there's no way I'm making that mistake. And I- in reality, what they're setting themselves up to do is completely consume this asset. And then it won't be there to pass on to the third generation. That's right. Changing their
0: habits and changing their money view, as Josh likes, likes to call it a lot, that your money view that built up or whomever, the, the first generation built up this financial wealth, you change or tilt your habits, your money view, and all of a sudden, I would say squander it, potentially, potentially squander that. So um, there's a few ways to avoid this trap. And then I I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is the biggest trap when it comes to finances. We've got that and a lot more coming up here with Wise here at Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you receive an inheritance, does that propel you in your finances or does does it actually wreak havoc in your finances? That's what we're talking about today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios is Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And again, usually... So everyone needs a financial plan, but usually... You finally take that step of contacting a certified financial planner when something happens in your financial life, a job change, a new child, or possibly receiving an inheritance, or you're ready to retire. And if that's you, reach out to your certified financial planner. If you don't have one, we'd love to help. You can contact us 574-222-2000. If you have a question for the program, you can also reach us right there as well. Call or text 574 574- 222-2000. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com, as well as social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at WiseMoneyRadio Radio as well. So when can an inheritance really be a curse? And we've talked about the first time that happens, this first trap, and that is, well, you let go of all discipline in your finances and you just start splurging or you let go of the discipline of budgeting or saving or paying down debt. So the the way to avoid that, well, I would argue, is having a certified financial planner, someone you trust, speak into your life to say, all right, here's here's the context on how to treat this inheritance. And they should say, hopefully, you can have some fun as well, but these are the other things you need to make sure that you keep you keep doing. So make sure you're still applying discipline in your financial life. Continue saving up for those goals and continue sacrificing in your finances to make those goals possible. So, all right. The, I would say the biggest trap people fall into when they receive an inheritance is they make a big financial decision that ends up being a permanent shift in their finances.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I remember uh, someone that inherited a couple hundred thousand dollars and they pretty quickly sold their $120,000 house, built a brand new house. Think they were shooting for about a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. that ended up being three twenty five. Okay, projects often get out of hand, right? Yep. They replaced a car and took one of their bucket list uh, type vacations. The money's all gone, right? So two hundred grand. It's all it's all poured into these things, and what they had to show for it, they were living in the nicest house that they'd ever lived in for sure had some new furniture that they loved, still had some old furniture now that they hated Mm. because it didn't have that new car smell like the (laughs) new house did, right? (laughs) Um, You know, they they now had a mortgage that was twice as big as the one they had before and it was a new 30 years instead of only having seven years left. Oh my. Okay. And nothing had changed in their income though, Right. right? They received a chunk of money, still have the same paychecks and everything. What do you think that did to their retirement? Yeah. It it set them back on their retirement. Their lifestyle in retirement was going to be changed. And, you know, I can kind of see in your eyes, you're thinking to yourself, where was their financial advisor? Sure. Right? Right. Well, they had a financial advisor, sort of. You know who it was? No. It was me. Hmm. But I wasn't really their financial advisor. I was going
0: to say Kevin because he's not here. (laughs) I'm going to throw him under the bus.
1: (laughs) No, it it was me. And, you know, they had asked me to help them manage some of their investment accounts, but we weren't doing comprehensive financial planning. Mm. And so, so in a way, I was kind of helping them in the way they asked, but not in the way that they needed. Yeah. And so if if you're ever wondering why sometimes I get up on my soapbox and talk about why it's so important to have a comprehensive financial plan, this is one of the stories that gives me that conviction. Because if they had been, Uh, working their way through the financial planning process, and they were making these decisions in the context of one plan, Mm -hmm. then I don't think they would have come to these conclusions because the right questions would be asked instead of me kind of hearing the story after all these things were done, you know, in their next annual review or semi-annual review or whatever. um, I would have actually been pulled into the process and um, hopefully – uh, the the plan would have led them to some different conclusions. And it, they may have resulted in true financial freedom because of that 200000 instead of more financial captivity ultimately.
0: I, you know, I hear so much wisdom in what you're saying, Josh, and yet I, I can't help but empathize with some who might hear just... With the wet blanket or, oh, you don't want me to have any fun. And my favorite uh, story to tell is anytime Cindy and I are out shopping or out in the community or whatever, and I run into someone that I serve, they always say, oh, this is in the budget. You know, if I see him at a restaurant, this is in the budget. No, we, your financial planner wants you to enjoy today. I want you, if, if that same scenario, if they were doing financial planning with Josh, I'm certain, I'm certain that... They, they, there would have been a discussion about what are the near-term goals that you want to do and what are the long-term goals that we can't overlook and how do we balance this and, and hit both of them. But the danger here is receiving a one-time influx of inheritance or cash and leading having that lead you to make a permanent increase in your lifestyle. Exactly. A lot of times people look and say, "Yep, this is the down payment for that next house," not realizing that now I've got twice as big a mortgage, property taxes are twice as big, and
1: so on. So be very very careful. That's important. And and you're exactly right. It's not like that inheritance didn't benefit them, right? They had a sweet house, they had some cool memories, uh, they didn't have to worry about one of those vehicles anymore for, for a while. But all of those were short-term benefits as opposed to it bringing permanent or lasting freedom. Yeah. And uh, our, our hope is that uh, our clients are always choosing the long-term freedom that quite frankly can have a multi-generational effect. Those are the fun stories to hear, yeah. right? Where. Uh, multiple generations benefit because of this generation choosing freedom over captivity. That's right. So this ties
0: into the next trap. I've got two more on my list, Josh. I don't know how many you have, but the next trap is receiving an inheritance, but either not having a financial plan that you can tune into and say, where should this money be deployed to help us uh, uh, in this plan? Or just. Or just not tuning into it because you don't want to have the have the discipline uh, of okay, well, we we were behind in this goal. This can help us catch up. Sometimes you just say, well, I don't even want to look at that. I just want to splurge with this, and and that that can be a big mistake as well. I think your story applies in a similar situation.
1: Yeah, I, I forget where I was out in the community somewhere recently. Someone came up to me and said. Hey, I'm I'm gonna call you soon, and and we're gonna get going on that financial planning thing. I'm thinking I'm gonna get an inheritance in the next couple of years, and when I do, uh, I'm gonna get started on on financial planning. And my response, of course, is don't wait to get your plan in place. Um, after the dollars are received. You need to have the plan in place and then let these dollars propel you towards the goals that you've set are are important to you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, as you say, sudden money has a way of kind of messing with your mind. You will suddenly have new goals that were never there before, and it may actually pull you off track. It may derail you from the things that are really important to you long term.
0: I like how you say sudden money. Actually, we've had some training about that because, yeah, there's, there's no shortage of evidence of people who win the lottery or get big contracts for being some sort of celebrity, singer, athlete, something like that. Where they the, the, the financial reward of that ends up devastating them financially dev- devastating their life instead of being this big blessing. And And that's um, and we're trying to help you av- avoid that right now. But not having a financial plan and not having goals will often allow you to, well, Get pretty creative and potentially overspend the money and not look at it from the right perspective. We see this with helping people who get bonuses in their jobs. You might have that every single year, or every quarter, you get some sort of bonus. And I have seen, as I've worked with folks, where two families make the same, have very similar situations. Be careful of making that judgment yourself, but seeing their financial situation very similar, one of them gets paid just in flat amount. The other one gets paid less, but then gets a potential for bonus. That family with clear financial goals, where we decide up front, all right, if this is the amount of the bonus, these are the goals that you know you've set our priority that you can hit. The family that has the bonus that can apply that money towards goals makes much more progress financially than the one that doesn't. The point is, decide what you're going to do with that money up front and tune into your financial plan. What about having the inheritance hold you back from making a big decision? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Thank you for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name's Mike. Across from me, Josh Gregory, coming to you from the KFG Studios. Thank you, Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you have a question, if you have needs, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so in a few different ways. Call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574 574- 222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there as well. You can catch up on previous episodes, read the latest blog post, all sorts of stuff right there. Lastly, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Radio. Every show is on the YouTube channel. It's posted there and announced on Facebook and Twitter as well. So you can watch the show every single episode and, uh, and all of that right there. Today, we're talking about the big financial decisions you have to make when you're receiving an inheritance. Now, I know that comes with a lot of emotional burden, emotional baggage as well, and I get that. I, I, we, we really do. From the financial standpoint, when do some of those emotions start influencing the financial decisions that you make? And, and that's this last trap that we need to hit that we're going to spell out to hopefully have you avoid. Several years ago, I think it was 2013. Some friends of mine, let's call them John and Jane. Uh, John had been helping an an aunt, and it was actually his first wife's aunt. And so, it's a little awkward there, a little uh, a little strange. But he was working part time, and so he was helping. She um, needed some assistance, and so he'd been helping her for a couple of years, and nothing really intense and full-time, but it just was checking in and so on. What he didn't know is when she passed, um, she she left him an in, in inheritance. We caught him by surprise, wow. completely. Yeah. And it was $100,000. Wow, that's really wow. money. Right? You, you think, oh my goodness, that's a huge, huge benefit. Well, with John and Jane, you referenced a story earlier, Josh, where some clients of yours hadn't engaged in financial planning and so you weren't really in a position to help them. Well, we were doing financial planning. And I actually had been serving them for almost 10 years. And truth is, they weren't making as much progress in their financial life as we had originally planned on. His job had changed. That's why he was part-time. She wasn't saving as much as we originally thought. And and truth be told, uh, coming out of 2008 and nine and the crisis financially, they changed their risk tolerance really at the worst possible time. and, and, all of that, the missed investment return, not contributing as much, it just meant they weren't on track with their plan. Mm-hmm. So he receives this money, this hundred thousand dollars, and I, uh, of course, console tell and say, tell "I'm sorry for the loss," and um, and gosh, you know. And we talked for at length about what the aunt meant to him and and how he helped her, and just hey, this is a big see this, John, as a big thank you for your sacrifice and helping her. Okay, so what what do you what do you see the use of this money being in your financial life? And initially it was, well, you know, I don't know. And and so we're not gonna make any decisions. And I said, great, actually, great. You can get and if you listen to the previous uh, dangers, it's well, you make a decision too quick without tuning in. So That's I right. heard yep. I heard the pause and I thought, this is good. So next meeting, we discuss it. And they had spent a little bit hot tub and you know some fun things, but okay, so I, I start being, okay, let's look at the long-term plan. These were your goals, are they still the goals? Yeah, in fact, Jane wanted to retire even earlier. Okay, well, we're not on track with that. So one thing you could do with that inheritance is if we did this and did that and did that, that can help make up some of that ground. And they weren't ready to do it. They said, well, let's think about it. Next meeting comes <laughs> along. Weren't able to do it then either. This was, I think, 2013. That money is still sitting there. Now it's been whittled down. It's seventy, seventy thousand, maybe sixty-seven thousand. But the point is, it hasn't helped them in their financial life at all. Yeah. And I'm not even sure why. A lot of times there are sentimental or emotional reasons. I can't touch mom's money or dad's money. But this, I don't think, was that. Maybe. But this just hasn't.
1: They so they've missed opportunities. Is and the point. It hasn't been whittled down by. Uh, capturing those dollars into Roth IRAs or something proactive—it was—is it, it basically funding lifestyle slowly, a Slo- little bit? Or? Yeah, slowly. It appears as
0: though, but you wouldn't say that spending thirty thousand over five years is—they're just blowing through this money. No, no it's just small things right? for lifestyle. But you're—you're you're right. I mean, this is the point here: is if for some reason you're not able to make decisions to help this money move you forward and help you make progress in your financial life, then you're missing opportunities. And some of those are very clear from a tax standpoint. Funding IRAs that maybe you didn't have the cash flow to do before. and Now that gives you a tax benefit or a Roth IRA that will help you on your taxes in the future and provide some tax-free income to you in the future and maybe funding your 401k completely. So offsetting some of this from your paycheck. And and so there's some missed opportunities either to make up some ground on your goals or help improve your tax situation,
1: your mm-hmm. uh, your protection plan area, something like that. So they had essentially become paralyzed by the emotion related to this money, right?
0: See, I, I think so, but I can't even put my finger on it that it was the emotion. Mm. I don't. It, it's uh, now we have seen. I could easily have told a story, and Josh, I'm assuming you can too, of someone who has been sure. st- been yep. stuck by the emotion. That um you know, I can just hear it now. Daddy had this money right here, so we're leaving this money right here. Mm-hmm.
1: Well. Wait a second. This company stock has been great to grandma and grandpa or to mom and dad, and there's no reason for me to get rid of it, uh, even though maybe it's not the same company anymore, or you're not really in a position to assess the risk, that sort of thing. And
0: we're not being heartless here. I understand the the emotional toil that, that this event brings, and yet at the same time, the, the hope is, I bet even of the individual that passed the money on, is that you use this as a blessing in mm-hmm. your financial
1: life. Yep. And a lot of times people treat it as an heirloom. Well, uh, that's a great word, a great uh, word picture there. And it's the reason why if you have this life event happen, um, you, you shouldn't be rushing off to some investment advisor or the car dealer or talk to the realtor to make some big decision. No, we would argue that you need to make sure that you have an up-to-date and comprehensive financial plan in place because there are so many considerations that come from receiving money out of the blue like this, you may have a different tax picture on your hands. So you need to review that. There may be uh, investments that you've inherited that need to be reevaluated. Does this fit with your overall game plan for investments? Um, For some people, I've seen folks receive a million bucks from the family farm that got sold, and they don't realize that now their risk profile is totally different. They have so much money available to creditors if they were to get sued because of a car accident or something like that. So they need to reevaluate how they have their home and automobile umbrella insurance in place. Maybe your estate plan needs to be reworked because you have more complexity in your life. Uh, others need to rework their budget or, or their retirement projection. But the point is every single area of your financial life has the potential to be affected, both positive or negative due to receiving an inheritance like this. And that's why the real answers come in building a comprehensive financial plan.
0: We I, I mentioned, have been trained in some of the sudden money sort of uh, sort of principles and looking at case studies and and how people um, treat a windfall and I'll just share with you some action items so that you can um, make a great choice. And hopefully you have a certified financial planner that you trust who does comprehensive financial planning. We call it one plan. Hopefully you have that person in your life. If not, the first step would be to get that person in your life. But then second, don't make any big financial decisions for at least 12 months. Hopefully during that 12 month period, we went through the goal process, the goal and budgeting process just a few months ago. If you missed that, find that episode on podcast or on YouTube or on the website. During that 12 months, hopefully you or you and your spouse, if you're married, are going through that goal process and listing out everything you wanna do financially. There should be a ton of stuff on that list that's fun go see europe, go do this thing, cross this off your bucket list. But it also should, you know, you give yourself time to lay out these are all of our goals financially. And then your certified financial planner can help analyze and quantify those goals and then can help you apply the fin- the the inheritance, the financial resources towards those goals so that this inheritance is actually a true blessing to you and your family tree just like it was intended. We've got a great tax question coming up here from Rick, sole proprietor wondering what's changed in my finances that I need to be prepared for in 2018. We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. If you own your own business, is there still time to do something to help your 2017 taxes? hint. Yes, there is. We're going to talk about that in just a second. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Across from me, Josh Gregory here in the KFG studios. Thanks for so much for being with us. If you've missed anything, go to the YouTube channel. We've got every episode right there on YouTube. You can even subscribe to it by clicking the button there or the bell that will subscribe to it and let you know every time a new episode is there. You even like the show if you like what
1: you're hearing. You really enunciated button well there. <laughs> nice job. I don't think I've ever heard you say God it gave so me profoundly. These,
0: God gave me big lips, and which makes <laughs> some words really difficult to say, but others, <laughs> who knows? You can also reach out to us if you need any help or have any questions. Call us, text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com. All right, still tax season, still tax questions. There will always be. Remember when they said we're going to make taxes so simple you can do it on a postcard? Yeah, right. Rick comes in with the first question. I am a sole proprietor and have my taxes just about complete. Is there anything I can still do to help my 2017 taxes? Ooh, and then should I can? what should I consider doing for my 2018 taxes?
1: Well, the good news is, uh, e- even though 2017 has come and gone, there are still some things that you can do to impact last year's taxes. It's obviously a much smaller list now that December 31st uh, is past us, but things like a traditional IRA, this would be true for most of our our listening audience, right? Mm -hmm. If you work, if you have earned income as a sole proprietor would, uh, you can make a contribution to a retirement account, uh, an individual retirement account, an IRA.
0: And you might even be able to do one for your spouse depending on how much income you have, depending on how much
1: income your spouse has and whether they have access to a retirement plan, all sorts of rules. That's right. That's right. And the deadline for that isn't until April 15th, actually the 17th this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's also some some special retirement plans that you could contribute to uh, because you're a sole proprietor that give you a bigger bucket, uh, a, a larger uh, contribution amount. Yep, potentially. It's based on the percentage of the profits from your business or, or your... Uh, Uh, sole proprietorship, something called a SEP IRA, S-E-P IRA. And uh, again, you have a longer period of time that you can contribute to these. It's actually your tax filing deadline plus extensions. So this could get you clear out into the fall before you you fund it. And I've worked with clients that we take advantage of that extra time to save up dollars, to contribute to last year's Uh, SEP IRA Mm -hmm. because it happened to be a much bigger year and they had more tax consequences than normal. We wanted to help diffuse some of that tax time bomb. This is where tax
0: planning can be so powerful, because if you're going to file that extension, you might want to pay in a little money with that extension to avoid interest penalties and and other things while you're
1: saving up to make last year's tax burden as low as possible. That's a good point. Extending your tax return does not mean that you get a delay on paying the tax. It's still due on time, uh, April 15th or, or the 17th this year. That's right. So what
0: to think about for 2018? Well, you might want to consider that SEP, but if you're looking for the current year and retirement and saving up for retirement is a big goal and you're looking to reduce taxes, you might want to consider a different type of retirement plan altogether called a single K. That one, you'll want to have, uh, just be very careful. I was going to say kid gloves. Just be very careful with that. It's probably not one. You could do online on your own. There's tricky rules with that that you'd want to get set up. But then your contribution limit can go up even more, potentially, potentially, if, if you've got it all sorted out right, and depending on how your entity is structured. And then lastly, I would just tell you, everyone, 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 I don't care your situation. Everyone needs tax planning this year because the tax rules all changed on us. And if you're a small business owner, they changed on you the most, Okay, you might now be getting a deduction that you never got before. You're also gonna lose some deductions too. Some deductions that you used to get are now bigger. Some credits might be gone. So you, especially you, Rick, as a small business owner, need to reach out to your certified financial planner who helps you and your tax planning as well to make sure that you get proactive about your tax
1: situation. Anything I missed there, Josh? Uh, I didn't hear you mention health savings accounts, Ah. if that applies to you. So that's not just for Rick. If you uh, work for an employer that has a high deductible health insurance plan and it's HSA eligible, health savings account eligible... Uh, You have up until April to contribute to that for last year as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe the account needed to be open by the end of the year. But if if that's something you've been funding each year and you just haven't gotten around to it, don't miss that deadline either. Make sure you tell the bank, hey, this is for 2017. I can't tell you.
0: At least, so we do a couple thousand tax returns a year. We love helping people with taxes. If you haven't gotten them done, we'd love to help you reach out to us, 574 222-2000 222-2000 or on the website, wisemoneyradio.com. But I would say at least twice a year, we get the tax documents for someone and it shows that they contributed too much th- to their HSA. And we bring it up to them and they say, no, no, I, I didn't. And we show them and they say, oh, I made a contribution last March that was supposed to be for the year before. Yeah. Ah, if you yeah. don't tell them they're just going to assume that it's for the current year. You know,
1: I accidentally made that mistake just a couple weeks ago. I made a contribution online just moving money from a savings account over to our HSA. And you probably
0: didn't even have the choice to say yeah. this is for last year.
1: Uh, what I needed to do was call into the credit union and have them move it because they have the ability to code it for last year. So uh, interesting. I've got to circle back and get that fixed. There you go. Thanks well, for the reminder, Mike. you got about a week, my friend. Uh, Jenny's got the next question. Here's what she asked.
0: I have my oldest going off to college in the fall. What type of tax benefits
1: are there for paying for his college? Well, thankfully, um, you know, there are some big tax savings uh, during the years that your kids are off to their undergrad. The American Opportunity Credit has been around for a a number of years. Uh, You know, we were kind of holding our breath. Was it gonna survive the tax law changes and everything? This one, will put up to $2,500 in your pocket on the tax return, right, yep. I and mean, that's real money. Yeah. It's the first $2,000 that you spend in uh, qualified college expenses. Tuition, yeah. yep. Um, you get that full 2000 back, plus a fourth of the next 2,000. Yep. So that's how we get up to that $2,500 amount. If, if you've spent four grand on college expenses, and good grief, who, who doesn't these right. days, right. Um, then you'll receive that for up to four years, four it's, years of school. There,
0: there was some talk of Expanding that from four to five years, I don't have that right in front of me. And again, all these tax rules have changed, and we're still figuring out exactly. Kind of waiting for the IRS interpretation on that. But remember, while well, you know during campaigning and all of that, there was a certain um, Congress person who said we should have free college. Now, financially, I have no idea how that would work. Um, but I was I was flabbergasted by all that discussion and how much emotion it carried because listen you spend 4 grand on tuition so stay at home go to community college you spend 4 grand you get 2500 back already right. i mean that's a, that's a great stinking deal and the other one is funding if you live in indiana funding your indiana college choice savings plan can help you get up to another $1,000 back on your taxes and you can contribute that money to get the benefit and then you can use that money to pay for college. There again, if you can find a way to spend just four grand on tuition, 2500 from that, another $1,000 in tax credit, you just got four grand and you only spent 500 bucks. That's right. It's a big deal.
1: That's right. So
0: there's a lot of different things. Now, there's a couple other tax issues that you need to be aware of with uh, sending your child off to school, but those are the biggies, Jenny. Uh, Let's sneak Jim's question in here from South Bend. I've been a teacher in the South Bend Community School Corp for the past 29 years, looking to retire. Do I have to withhold taxes from my pension? Real quick, Josh.
1: No, you don't have to. But it does have to be counted on your federal income tax return, so it may result in you paying some tax. If you don't have money withheld from the pension itself, then you're gonna you may end up needing to uh, cover that tax with quarterly estimates. Mm-hmm. That may be something that you need to do anyway. I like the quarterly estimates because of the precision that you can approach. Uh, the payment of tax with, as opposed to just setting a certain percentage of your pension off the top. You don't really know if it's the right amount. That's what I,
0: I like withholding on the pension Cause because it's, it's easy. It's automatic. I, I know. Great question, Jim. That is all the time we have for today, folks. On behalf of Josh Gregory and myself and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. Have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.